Wrestling with the Future is going back to the wrestling territories. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Second Community Angelo, joined by the Happy Haberdasher, my co-host with the most. The guy, he's the smartest guy in the room. If you don't believe it, just ask him. He'll tell you. Dan, the man, Sebastiano. How you doing, Dan? I'm great. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm a good uh, show very tonight, humble. Dan. I'm excited. I'm sorry I interrupted you. It's not like me to do that. But we have such a good <laughs> show tonight. I'm so excited. Oh, we get to talk about the best, the best era of wrestling. That's for damn sure. Oh yeah, Are you kidding me? We got, uh, we got a guy that has been around. Oh my God, yeah, I've known him for a, quite a few years now. Um, you know, when his memory does kick in, which it does often, <laughs> especially if there's a pretty girl around. Um, you know, Scott Casey's the guy that you want to talk to, and uh, he is uh, our special guest tonight. Going to take us back to the wrestling territories. Back, what was it like to work the territories? So, and I know you and I've talked uh, before, Dan, about why and how the territories died. Well, we're going to talk to a guy uh, who very much, uh, you know, kept it alive, uh, and especially in his area. Uh, believing down in Texas, uh, Southwest, uh, working for the Von Erichs. Worked for Joe Blanchard, I know. Uh, I mean, this guy's been all over the place. Um, so what do you know? So Dan, tell me what you know about Scott Casey. What do you know about this amazing guy? <laughs> well, like you said, um, he's a name that pops up a lot when you do you look into any of the southern territories. The You, you mentioned Fritz Von Erich, uh, Texas. Uh, I didn't see much from Amarillo, but definitely a lot from the, the, the central Texas area. Um, yeah, obviously he pops up a lot in the South. I know, no offense, you know, great, great respected man. Little, little before my time being the youngin on the show. But when I, uh, anytime I look up the old territory tapes in the South, even uh, references as far North as Louisville and parts of parts of Memphis and Tennessee, uh, really just a, a big name all over the su- Southern wrestling. Oh yeah, absolutely. And without further ado, Young Squire, let me bring in the master himself. Ladies and gentlemen, he has uh, he has carved quite a niche for himself in, in addition to being a multiple-time champion, traveling all over the territories, making a name for himself. He is now added to his repertoire the title of author, book author, Scott Casey, One Last Ride. Scott, you, are you with us? How are you, my friend? And absolutely, I, you know it's. I first of all, let me say, Nick Massey, who I just love to death, is my partner in all of this, and he uh, he created the book for me, and we collaborated on it for over a year, and it it just it came out great. But let me say one thing. Yeah. There, if you are opposed to ribald thinking are words that are not supposed to be said a lot of times, then don't look at it. Because exactly. I said it from the heart. <laughs> I said it from the heart, and I meant what I said, and I had a lot of fun doing it, and I was young and crazy and didn't give a you-know-what, and uh, enjoyed every bit of it. And it, the book just came out great. I, I, I I couldn't have been more pleased with it. But like I said, if you don't like that kind of stuff, don't look at it because you're going to have it in there. 
Well, I got to tell you what, Scott. I, I actually spoke to Nick today. In fact, I spoke to him about 20 minutes ago. And, um, and I told uh, Nick that we were going to talk about the book tonight and that I would give him a shout-out. In fact, let me just tell you right now, Scott, while I got you on the phone with me here, um, we're going to have you back, and we're going to bring Nick on the show with you. And Great. he's going to talk about how the, the two of you got together with this book. And um, as he's looking forward to it. And so I got to tell you, he's a really great guy. He did put a lot of work into this book. The, the, oh. the, the book is called Scott Casey, One Last Ride. And it's a one hell of a book. And like Scott said, uh, if you're offended by colorful language, then don't fucking read it. <laughs> You know, right. we, no, we, we have, we had a lot of fun. yeah, you know, well, Scott, we, like is, you shouldn't tell it, you know? So. Yeah. Well, we, we have no language parameters here, so feel free to get as colorful as you want, brother. Oh, we can do that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the last time I had you on the show, you were here with, um, uh, Manny Fernandez and, um, and Johnny Mantell. Yeah. Yeah, two great guys, and uh, both of them nuts. But that's I included in I'm included in that too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were uh, we were talking about uh, I believe what we were talking about was, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were talking about the uh, the ca- how the cowboy started in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 western gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So uh, let's well, just re- let's just refresh people, Scott. How did okay. that how how did that uh, the the cowboy gimmick make its way into the wrestling territories when where you were? Well, I was in Amarillo and I took a little small break from wrestling, and I get a call from Wahoo McDaniel's. And he said, he said, what are you doing now? And I said, well, I'm, I'm selling cars for a while and this and that. And he said, well, we'd love to have you come down. And he said, how about if I fly you down and we'll pay you blah, blah. And I said, great. You know, so I went down to San Antonio and uh, met Joe Blanchard again. A wonderful man, and I miss him terribly. And uh, his son, Tony was the big baby face down there. Well, we had a match, and after it was over, I got over as a baby face, and Tully got over as a heel, and Joe said, we got to switch this. And he said, you got to have a gimmick. I said, well, I used to raise quarter horses, and he said, that's it. We'll call you a cowboy. And he stuck, and we had a hell of a run with it. It really was a lot of fun. That's how that's emerged. Scott would was the cowboy gimmick overdone uh in in uh, southern states wrestling. I mean you had Cowboy Scott Casey, Cowboy Johnny Mantel, uh Cowboy Dutch um what the hell was the name? Um I forget. Um but I mean you had uh, uh you, you had there was everybody was cowboy somebody, cowboy this, cowboy that. Was was there oh, like know. cowboy overkill? <laughs> well, maybe it was, you know. 
at that time, I was very bow-legged in one leg. I had, had wrestled in Florida, and I was in a ring that was real buoyancy, bounced around. And I, I, I did a leapfrog, and I came down, and it hyperextended the wrong way. And it, oh. that was the beginning of the end of my right leg. And oh. uh, I'm leading up to something here with this. I... Uh, uh, I, uh, I'm having a brain fart here. Anyway, I had, uh, I went forever like that. And then after I retired, my leg was just got to where it was killing me. And the 23rd of last month, I had a total knee replacement. Right. And I'm telling you something, boys. If you've never had anything like that, do everything in the world. I mean, wrap it, put a rope around it. It doesn't matter. It's a son of a bitch. I'm sure it is. Well, I got news for you. Um, You might be calling me a son of a bitch here in about two minutes. I got a a friend of yours on the phone. Want to say hi to you. He's going to hang out with us tonight. Okay. Okay. A young man, a a, a young Irishman, young Irish lad from... uh, up here in New Jersey, wants to say. Well, right he's not—he's he, not young anymore. But uh, listen, he's had some work done on his knees, his backs, and his hips, and it's all because of some baby faces uh, that were in this business. Let me <laughs> think for a second here, uh, Scott. It's Davy O'Hannon. Davy, how are you, my friend? I, when I heard that voice, I said, "It, it sounds like him, but hell is." Moby Dick was a man of the last time we talked. <laughs> it's been forever, man. Listen, let me let me let me do a little disclaimer here. Uh, I I met Scott Casey in 1976 uh, when I went to the Amarillo Territory. Uh, I had been in some other territories, and and since then I've been. And I'm going to tell anybody that listens to this podcast, Scott Casey is the gold standard. Uh, for a professional wrestler. This guy could have been a top guy in any territory that ever ran. He was that good. He was that good. Uh, Scott Casey took a backseat to no one. No one. That's how good he was in the ring. And uh, uh, it was such a treat for me to get down there. And and the only part that wasn't a treat was uh, Scott was the first guy I met when I got to Amarillo. Uh, I think I got there on a Friday afternoon. I pulled into the Center City Motor Inn, uh, checked myself in, and somebody said, okay, well, uh, TV's tomorrow morning, and then you'll ride to Colorado with Scott. Okay. I wrote to, I think we actually flew. I think we actually flew. I don't think I ever – listen, I rode with Harley. I rode with Harley. and, oh, and Harley. Yeah, Harley made me nervous, uh, but Scott – That man would scare the sh- – he would yeah. scare the shit out of Dracula. I mean, he could Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> so Scott, Scott, you can you can correct me. I think I think you had a Corvette at the time. Was that is that right? Yeah. Was, yeah. Had a silver Corvette. Yeah, yeah, he had a vet. So so first of all, you know, I'd been around a little bit, but I never actually rode in a vet. Right. Man, I thought I thought we were doing back to the future. I think we made Colorado Springs <laughs> or Pueblo in about 16 minutes. Uh, from from the Amarillo TV station, I said, "Holy crap!" <laughs> wow. <laughs> so That's, that was my introduction to Scott. 
a quick quick thing here. There used to be a wrestler by the name of Moose Murawski, and I first met him when I was started in Amarillo. And he said, "You're going to make twenty five hundred a week." I thought, "Jesus, twenty five hundred dollars a week?" He said, "No." <laughs> Miles. And boy, was he right. I mean, you know, picture this. You leave Amarillo, <laughs> you go to Colorado Springs, you go from there over to Albuquerque to Mexico, you yep. go down to El Paso, oh my you go God. on over to San Angelo. Shit. I mean, you were delirious by the time you got back down. Yeah. Odessa, Abilene, back to Amarillo and start again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's crazy. Davey, can, can you tell young guys today who haven't had the benefit of, of working the road, and what we say, what we mean by when we say working the road, putting the, the miles on the car, but, you know, 2,500, 3,000 miles a week sometimes, especially if you work like a Bill Watts territory. That was 3,200-mile territory. Crazy yeah, stuff. Well, uh, talk, talk to these kids today about, and both of you guys, Talking yeah, about you know, so putting the, the, the miles on, you know, you know, paying your dues oh. through travel. Well, that, that, was, that was one of the, it really was one of the unique things in the business uh, that, that these guys will, will never, ever uh, get an opportunity to do. I mean, you know, I, and, and this is not a knock. I see, uh, I see independent guys that, that talk about, well, we were on a road, uh, uh, for uh, five years, well, once a week they went to a show forty-five miles away. That's not on the road, you know, because you yeah, tell exactly. a couple of jokes yeah. in the car is not on the road. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Bobby Duncan one time told me he said it seems like in a week I, I you know, he said we'll fill up the car every day, and he said at the end of the week we're going to change the oil in the car because. Twenty-five yeah. hundred, three thousand miles was nothing. Yeah, and it's just like, like that old country song, "White Line Fever." Oh my God, you just. You yeah, no kidding. I mean, it was. So out, you know, oh, pitiful. But well, those days are gone. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, one of the things um, that w- that Dan and I talk about a lot on the show is how wrestling today can learn from the territory system. So I'm going to turn it over to Dan and let him pick it up. because he got some stuff he wants to talk about. So, Dan, go ahead. Well, I, I want to start with kind of a, a, an understanding of what it was like being a territory wrestler. You worked in, you mentioned Amarillo. We, we talked earlier, your time under, like, the Von Erichs and, and working for Fritz. If you were in, say, Texas... And you were going to get booked for a territory in New Mexico or Louisville, somewhere else. How does that go about? Obviously, in the age of cell phone, you know, before cell phones, email, and and, and easy communication, did did the bookers reach out to you guys? Did the territory owners have? Uh, did the territory owners talk? Was it kind of an agreement? I'm going to work this day, and then the territory owners like, I want them for this day. How did you go about booking dates for yourself when? Like you said, 2,500 well, miles, you might go into four or five different territories. Yeah, the, the thing of it is, you, you uh, the bookers talked with each other, you know, and yep. obviously the wrestlers developed their reputation, and if they were that good, then they were needed, and they were wanted by different territories, you know. And 
and sometimes, you know, the first time they said, well, we're going to fly you in. And I, hell, I thought I'd gone to heaven. Fly me? Wow. But uh, yeah. that's just the way it was. You know, the bookers would talk, and they'd say, hey, this guy can do the – he can carry the load. He can uh, keep your territory going. And uh, that's what they did, you know. And back then, you know, they the, the owners and the bookers collaborated with each other to try to do that. You know, a fresh face made money for each uh, territory. So that's kind of yep, how that, that went about and we, and we also had a, a little unwritten rule, don't forget, that uh, if you were going to leave a territory, you had to have the courtesy uh, to give a notice. Uh, if you were working on top somewhere, uh, you gave a four-week notice, or if you were uh, underneath or in the middle, you gave a two-week notice. So uh, when you gave your notice or notice was given to you, uh, then you had to reach out, you know, you you, you You'd think about where you wanted to go if you could. And like Scott said, you know, the bookers uh, stayed in touch, and you'd ask someone, hey, listen, can you call uh, 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 Memphis for me, or can you call here or there? And uh, they'd say, okay, well, they can get you going. I mean, I I got booked in Amarillo while I was working uh, up in the Maritimes in Canada, uh, New Brunswick Territory. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I just thought I thought it would be uh, neat to take a long ride before I got to Amarillo, so I could take seven long rides every night or every week, you know. <laughs> but that's where I, you know, I I came from up there. Actually, Terry was up there uh, working. You know, the NWA champ worked all over the NWA territories. Uh, so Terry was up there, and he said to me, he said, "Do, do you want to go down Amarillo for a while?" And I was finishing up. Uh, in New Brunswick, and I said, "Yeah, sure, sure." And uh, Davey, you know, would you do me a favor, my what? my dear friend? Because I love the way you tell this particular story, and Dan has not heard the story, and I don't think that our buddy Scott has either. Would you please tell the story about uh, your experience in Texas with um, a particular? police officer and judge oh well yeah i was i on fridays we went to uh lubbock and you know i I had come down like i said i came down from uh working in new brunswick before that i was working in uh in new york uh, i had just bought a new uh 76 uh cadillac coupe de ville and uh yeah, so I'm on the way to Lubbock, which was like a night off because it was only 120 miles from, I think, right, if, you know, right. Scott can correct me. Uh, you know, it was only 120 from Amarillo, so that was like not even going anywhere. Uh, so I was uh, flying down to Lubbock there, and uh, I saw a Texas State Highway Patrol on the other side, and he had the, the big radar gimmick hanging out the back window. And I said, oh, crap, yeah, this is, so before I looked in the mirror, he was right behind me, he made a U-turn, uh, and he, you know, I pulled over and opened my window, and he walked up, and he kind of ducked down a little bit. This guy was about 40 feet tall. Uh, <laughs> he looked He looked at me, and he went, hmm, my wife doesn't like you. I said, oh, <laughs> I said, well, that's, this is one of the times I wish I had Scott Casey in the car with me because I could have said, well, I'm sure your wife likes him, you know, <laughs> so could have got myself bailed out there. Uh, so he said, uh, I said, oh, that's not good news, is it? 
He said, well, I like you bad guys. I said, Ooh, wow, that's really great. Okay. So, so I actually invited him down to Lubbock that night, and uh, uh, he brought his, uh, uh, his wife and his uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law. Uh, but, but the other one about the judge that you were talking about, uh, the, the night that uh, Muhammad Ali uh, and Inoki had their mixed match, uh, and it was closed circuit, in all the different arenas around the country, and, and each territory had had something going on. And uh, my tag partner at the time was Dennis Stamp. Uh, rest his soul. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, rest his soul. Uh, Dennis was like a uh, uh, like an all night gas station man, never a dull moment. Uh, so Dennis, so Dennis Stamp, by the way, can be seen in the film Beyond the Mat. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. With uh, with uh, Terry Funk. Yep. Uh, well, Dennis uh, was in the car with me, and so was Terry. Uh, and Terry said, come on, I want to get back uh, to see some of this thing going on uh, in Japan. Well, I said, all right. He said, well, just go. We were coming back from wherever it was. He said, just, he says, I know every cop in this area. Just go up this road. They're never around here. Don't you worry about a thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm driving, certainly not driving as fast as Scott Casey drove me around. But uh, I was driving. And about 30 seconds, I looked in the mirror, and there was all kinds of lights behind me. I said, oh, great. Okay, well, don't worry, because Terry knows everybody here. Uh, he pulled me over, uh, walked up to the window. Uh, he said, uh, well, you uh, New Jersey boys really take advantage down here, going a little fast <laughs> through our town. Actually, he said, you went through my backyard uh, a little fast. I, you know, and I wanted to say, well, I didn't notice your backyard, but I figured I was already in some deep shit. Uh, so now I was waiting for the tag off uh, for Terry to help me out, and I looked uh, in the back seat, and uh, he was pretending to be sound asleep with his jacket over his face, and I could see he was chuckling, and I said, Terry, Terry, no, 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 this cop or trooper or whatever he was said, uh, oh, New Jersey, why don't you just follow me? So I followed him <laughs> to some damn judge's house. Oh, uh, he got this judge that that came to the door with his pajamas and a jacket on, uh, oh. and uh, and I figured I was going to get a ticket. He said, "No, no, no, no." He said, "No." He said, "You can you can pay the fine or you can stay right here." Well, I don't. I think it was like Tulia or Happy Texas or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> He didn't seem too happy to me. Uh, he he said, "No, you could you could pay this right now." Terry was still chuckling when I came out with my receipt for the uh, for the fine that I just paid and uh, and the warning from this judge to never come through his town again. Uh, yeah, I really wish Scott was sitting with me uh, a couple of times like that. But. Right, exactly. But we kayfabe that you know we 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 really sure. really protected the business then, you know we protected everything and. Uh, well, you know, that's, that's a great segue, Davey. That's a really great segue. Um, one of the things Dan and I Dan and I talked about on the last show, and it ties exactly into what you were just talking about, and maybe you and and Scott could chime in on this. We're talking about you know going back to the territory days. Um, when kayfabe was, you know, you know, not only the written rule, but it was the unwritten rule. Um, 
You know, even Karen McDaniel, when he when when she was here, was talking about, you know, how uh, she and Wahoo would even have to kayfabe out in public. You know, uh, Karen couldn't mm-hmm. go have coffee with the girls. You know, uh, God forbid if she were seen, let's say, with uh, with Ric Flair's girlfriend or something, the guys would get fired based on what the girls did. So, well, let- yeah, we protected it. Yeah, and so let's talk about that. It's probably unlikely that we'll ever see a return to kayfabe, but how can we learn from that in today's wrestling climate from days gone by? Is there a way to not, you know, you can't unring the bell clearly, but is there a way to kind of put a Band-Aid on it you know, can we can we try to, to suspend our disbelief? Explain to, to to Dan and I, you know, what we can glean from yesterday and how we can make today better. Well, I'll let Scott answer that, and then I have an opinion. I don't think that you can, you know, because it's all been exposed. And, yep. But back up to the days when kayfabe was something. The first thing I learned, now I'm practicing in the ring with Dick Murdoch, Bobby Duncan, Terry Funk, Dory Funk Jr., and uh, Duke Myers. Wow. At least, at least four or five inches taller than me. Wow. And uh, it, it just, you know, and that was the thing. They all said, you know, if you're going to be in this business, and you are going to be shown around and advertised and everything. Yeah. You better learn what kayfabe is. He said, because if you don't, you may walk out of the ring and hit the dressing room and somebody knock the living shit out of you. Yeah, it, was, exactly. it was just an unwritten rule. You don't fucking expose the business. I mean, yep. you know, we got into fights yeah. over it, you know, and, and, and people would say, oh, that's all a bunch of shit. Well, the shit was on when they said it. That's right. And yeah, just, you know, it was, that's what was the mystique of it all. You know, I said, oh, he didn't hit him. And it's just like Johnny uh, Valentine one told me, told me one time, he says, you may think it's all fake. He said, until you get in the ring with me. And he, I don't know why exactly. I don't know about Johnny Valentine, but that son of a bitch would hit, beat the living shit out of you. I wrestled him. I'm getting off the, thing here, but I wrestled that man one time and he wouldn't hit you in the face or in the groin or anything like that but I guarantee you he would beat you up and the people had to believe in him oh yeah and, uh, that's what they wanted you know it just it just could not back then it, it, because it wasn't it wasn't advertised like it is now you know yeah yeah, yeah. Well, not over yeah. the whole damn country like it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, we, we were actually told recently on the show that, uh, in fact, we had uh, uh, Andrew Anderson was here. Uh, he's uh, he's good friends with the Johnny's son, Greg Valentine. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I believe what he said was, I can't make you believe wrestling is real, but I can damn sure make you believe I'm real. That's exactly what he said. That's, mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly what he said. And and oh, and you know what? We we. Never. And and the guys that Scott just named, uh, 
for guys like Scott and I, they were they were sort of like the old timers in the business. They were they were established. And and the other thing beside kayfabe that you learned is don't ever ever make a joke out of what we do for a living. And, and the reason and the reason is that the people believed because we believed because we believed. If 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 I walk. If I walked into a, a, a diner or a restaurant or someplace and Scott Casey or any of the other babies were sitting in there having dinner, we walked out. We walked out. There, there were Listen, if you worked for Eddie Graham in Florida and you even walked into a place and stayed, stayed a few seconds uh, where the other guys were, you, you got fired. You got fired. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't even acknowledge each other. You know, if we did walk into some place and it was yeah. unavoidable, we just we didn't even acknowledge each other. We just ignored them. Uh, yeah, Davey, put, that's what uh, that's what that's what our friend Karen was telling us that her and um, and Barb Goodish were here and uh, and they yet told Dan and I the same thing. Basically, what you just said, you know, that, yeah, well, you uh, know they what? protected kayfabe to to that level that even the wives and girlfriends were even included on it. Well, yeah. Listen, I, you know, yeah. I, I sort of lived a different life because I was a heel. I mean, you know, Scotty w- was so unbelievably popular, and and I'm not just putting him over. I mean, because this guy was, uh, you know, a master in the ring. I mean, just, uh, you know, you could watch Terry or Dory Funk or or Briscoe or or Steamboat. Any, listen, Scott Casey's name better be in there because. Absolutely. Wow. There were there there weren't too many people that were better than Scott Casey. But what I'm saying is, as a heel, as a heel, you know, we I got a lot more crap than some of the baby faces did. And and my answer, depending on how people approached me, uh, was almost like Johnny Valentine's. You know, I'd say to them, "Well, you 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 want to find out if I'm a fake? There's one way you can find out for sure. Exactly. There's yeah. one way you could find out for sure." <clears throat> Well, go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Then, then let me ask uh, you. Um, hey. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, Davey, you're making me blush talking to me like that, but I appreciate everything you've said to me. Well, it's me. true, Scott. And it's I, it's absolutely I, true. Well, I appreciate it, Dave. And the reason I was a baby face and I, I did things like a baby face and sometimes overkill with it is because of Lou Fez. Yep. I'm in I'm in California and and I'm like the second or third match and there's I walk out to the curtain and there's Lou and he's looking at it and I thought I walked up to him and I said Lou what are you doing I said God damn you were seven or eight times world champion what are you doing he said uh, I'm watching the match I said I, wow I know that. <laughs> that's God. wild he said he said what he said to me and it stuck forever he said. I don't care if it's the first match or the last match. Watch them because you can always learn from them. You can steal somebody's gimmick or part of yep. it. Yep, yep. It will help you get over. And believe me, it did. It, it just... Yeah, oh, I yeah, I always watched. I always watched. Yeah, and I thought... And, and, you know, and, what, an, and what an honor, what a, what a thrill to have... Lou says, watch your match. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the guy was something else, you know. I mean, I, I miss him terribly, you know. 
And every day yep. I wake up, I'm checking my pulse, make sure I'm still here. Because, hell, I'm 73 <laughs> years old. Two days older than dirt. But anyway, it's, it's, you know, you, you, you just, you know, so-and-so died today. Really? Okay. Well, hell, uh, Killer Brooks just died the other day. And I talked to him about a day before he died. Yeah. Wow. Well, I got a surprise for both you guys. Okay. You there, Davey? Yeah. Scott, I got a surprise for you. Got a okay. gentleman here who, uh, like all of us, started off as a fan and uh, and became quite the sensation among the nation. He's a young fellow that uh, that made his bones as an evil, dastardly, conniving Russian Russian party sympathizer. Among the likes of Nikolai Volkov and uh, and ilks of that that like, the gentleman he's a dear friend of mine, and Davey I know you know him, and Scott I know you know him. It's our friend Nikita Brezhnikov. Hey Nick. <laughs> hey guys. Nicky, how are you? I'm so hey. happy to be here. Well, great company, very great company. Wow, we it's been a while, Nick. It's yeah, great guy. Mickey, Nikki, we're so talking about you know, the, the I, territory days. Yeah. Back was, to the uh, territories. Gotcha. Oh, absolutely. You know, you get out of your car, your ass was as flatter than a board. But, I mean, it, it just, <laughs> that's the way it was. But, you know, Mickey, it's been so long since I've talked to you. How have you been, my friend? I'm doing just wonderful. Just keeping my head above the water, keeping COVID at bay, and just knocking it out, waiting for that bell to ring to get wrestling back where it belongs. Yeah, well, like Scott said, Amen. that's going to be a stretch to get it back where it belongs. Because, uh, uh, but yeah. you know what? As long as as long as there's some of us left, and boy, there sure are too many of us left uh, mm. from those days. Uh, but you know, we could we could certainly keep that memory alive. That's for sure. Well, David, uh, that that prompts a question. How does the uh, the small but mighty few make uh, make enough noise to affect the masses? Are there enough of us left, you know, to to make enough noise uh, that someone will listen? Well, we can make a lot of noise, but guys like Scott and I, I got a I got a suspicion are never putting those boots back on and getting in the ring. And I could, I've no. had more two, I've had more tune-ups on my body than I care to even mention. <laughs> you know, yeah. holy crap! Yeah. But you know what? The, 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 yeah, I mean, the, I, the, the problem I see right now, like Scott said, it's it's been it's been so exposed. Uh, and what happened, I guess, with social media, television, cable, all that stuff, is the the guys that are independents now. The guys that are independents, and and there's there's some really, really fine athletes, uh, that that are working in the independents. The difference is, uh, they never had Luthez watch their match. Exactly. You know, right. That's the problem. Yeah. And Scott'll 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 relate to this right away. Uh, you know, when you were new in this business and you had a match, and one of the old timers watched it, you know, Art Nelson. Here's here's an example. Uh, you'd come in and he'd say, kid, uh, do you mind some constructive criticism? Well, 
<laughs> the answer is absolutely yes. Come on, yeah. What do you need to tell me? And he, right. he'd take you for a walk into the shower, and he'd say, "Well, listen, this is what your punch looked like, or this is what your kick, or why don't you try to do this, or you know, turn this way, or you know, whatever." That stuff's not happening now. So what these kids are now doing is they're watching the WWF or E or whatever the hell it's called now. Yeah. They're watching that on television, and as soon as they get in the ring. They're climbing up to the top rope and they're working the crowd. Well, wait a minute, man! <laughs> you, you don't do that. You don't. Exactly. It, it's like you, you starts with a bang and ends with a whimper. Yeah exactly. yeah, exactly. So, so what they're doing, you know, uh, you know, I've seen, and I really do not watch uh, very much of it. I mean, I watch none of the the WWE stuff or things like that now. You know, I've seen some anything. of these. Yeah, I see some of the independent guys uh, are going out there and and doing uh, starting off, uh, you know, with five or six high spots and starting off with five or six things that Scott and I would have used as a finish. Finishers, mm-hmm. exactly, Absolutely. exactly. Yep. Nick, you know, it, it we 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 clearly can't unpeel the onion, and we cannot unring the bell. Does wrestling, Nikki, need? A, a a fresh restart, like a stop the buzzer and restart. Do we need do we need to go back from square one and find out who the hell we are? It needs an enema, without a doubt. Yes, <laughs> without yeah. a doubt. Because look, it's so much. Everything that's being discussed, right on. I agree. And, you get these kids at these shows and they're jerking each other off. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot for those ones. It's like, no, no, it wasn't great. You're not right. supposed to operate like that. Hey, we all screw up. We've all screwed up over the years and learned from it. But when you just sit there and let it go over your head because you don't know what the hell you're doing yourself and you tell the other guy who knows even less and now he thinks he's great. It's like, come on, man. We got to draw this in. Let's stop it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and the one thing, Nikki, the one thing that Davey just, just said, and I want you and Dan to kind of expand on it, is that, you know, what what he and you and Scott would have used, you know, as your closing finisher, you know, your your go-home move, these guys are now... Opening matches with them. Well, if your opening match, you know, with a, a a fucking buckle bomb off the top, whatever the hell they want to call it, I don't even know what these moves are anymore because they change every ten minutes. But if your opening move is like this five star frog splash off the top rope, well, what the hell do you go after that? What's left? Exactly. Well, you know, listen, well, we I mean, we. What's left? You know, guys you like set Scott and myself. On fire and, in the middle of the ring. Yeah, well, you know what? The, in in our day, in our day, and that really sounds old, but that's because we are old. Exactly. Uh, in our day, in our day, when when somebody walked into a dressing room after a match, a couple of things might have been said. A really good compliment. Somebody said to you, "Boy, that sounded good." Okay, so that was that was a big compliment if somebody said that to you because they heard the crowd. And a lot of times somebody said to you, what did you do? So if I said neckbreaker or Scott said small package or bulldog, well, the next guy knew not to do that. The next guy knew not to do that because we protected the business and protected one another. 
You see, but they're seeing they're seeing so much of this other nonsense going on uh, that it's not wrestling. Davey, There's no somebody wrestling. needs to tell these kids that they we don't need 500 uh, super kicks in a row on NXT and AEW. Dan, go ahead. You and Nikki pick up on this one. No, you're you're absolutely right there. Uh, now Dan, I'm just sounding like a disgruntled old fart here, right, Nikki? No, no you're you're no. absolutely right that that. One of the things that hurts the product today is a lot of the high spot non-finishes. But also, if you watch a typical show, you might have three or four matches in a row with nearly identical endings. The same exactly. kind of run-in, the same yeah. kind of move set. And, and I guess the other thing, and, and maybe you guys can all kind of answer this, is one of the things I used to love about the territories, because I was, I was a kid watching these tapes, is you could have these big moments these big debuts these big returns whatever they were because you know you could have somebody show up and take out the top baby face or or a you know um a heel come in and and his opening match he wins a handicap in a few seconds because the crowd's never seen him uh, or maybe they he does a move they've never seen before in, today you 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 lose that impact where nobody means anything when you have a match that a power bomb off the top rope through two tables is not the finish what do you do to make an impact when you first show up so maybe explain that like you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna debut as, as this this big uh, i'll use i'll use you you use the example here nigga the uh the big russian wants to come in and squash the the you know pie-eating american how do you do that if I just watched him uh, earlier in the night kick out of, of a powerbomb through two tables? Like, you can't – what do you do? What do you do to say, look, I'm the badass? I mean, I watched um, uh, uh, Big, Big, Big Bit. Uh, the last WWE pay-per-view just had a match where the stipulation was you lost by having your eyeball ripped out. And, oh, yeah, that's a good they, idea. They used, they used yeah. props and special effects, and it looked terrible because I swear to God it was a painted fish bobber. But – there was a there was a ma a wrestler on the ground holding his holding his eye with a fucking with his eyeball hanging out. Now, does he have to wear an eye patch for the rest of his life? And you know, you, what do you how do you how do you come back from that? So, <laughs> let me let me have you guys expand on that. Is the go, oh, go he's going to take his fake eye, stick it on his pocket, go to Kroger, do his shop, and come home and stick the eye back in? What the fuck is he going to do? Uh. <laughs> here's, where, here's where the difference Bill, is. Go ahead, Nikki. Can I interject something here? I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Davey and Nikki and all you guys, but the wrestling today, okay, they give you a finish. All right, fine. But what happens when, if you've, like you said, you've done all this crap and then you trip over your heel and, and the guy beat you one, two, three. I mean, it's, it's just whoever decided to make sensationalism the norm yeah. had to be out of his fucking mind. His name is Vincent McMahon Jr. Well, listen, Scott will probably give you the same, the same answer that I would. If somebody said to me, okay, listen, uh, we're going to, we're going to go up there uh, on that top turnbuckle in the corner and I'm going to get you up there, and, and I'm going to power bomb you through those two tables down on the floor, uh, I would have said to him, okay, let's let's get something really clear. Uh, you can go up to that top turnbuckle if you want to. Uh, I probably won't be there with you. All right. That's, 
that's not happening. You know, yeah, that's not happening. And the other thing, the other thing that that I am positive Scott learned and I learned is, you know, just just let's slam a guy in the middle and then you're going to drop an elbow on him. Uh, well, you know what? Don't work the crowd for thirty seconds. Because I used to tell a baby face, you can play around with the crowd. When you look down, I'm not going to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going right. to wait for you to do something. I'm not going to wait unless it's your finish, and then I'm, you know, you knock me out or whatever. But but they made it so unbelievable. Listen, uh, up in up in New York at one of the Hall of Fame weekends, uh, Bugsy McGraw, myself, and Don Fargo are watching the independent show, and Don Fargo says to me, "Who's the heel and who's the baby face?" I said, I don't know. I don't have any idea. <laughs> you got me on that one, man. That's you know? the problem. Nikki, let's talk about that. Defining the roles now. You know, Davey brought up a good point, and Scott, uh, you know, expanded on it a little bit too. But you know, now you represent probably the last of that era. Um just basically for you and I, uh, for people to, to understand, you're you and I are the same age. Yeah. So we we're from the last, uh, the tail end of that era that we're talking about. And um, and you know, of course, we both worked in the business, but you uh, further further deep inside than I at the time. But understanding a clear definition, um is was the norm to to use scott's terminology the norm mm-hmm. now it's not there is no clear definition there is no baby face there is no heel you understood who the good guy and the bad guy were, was the russian was the bad guy you, you know that was it right you know, right but right. recently when vince right. tried to do that with the guy and the girl i don't even know their names it died and I understand in a meeting, he had a shit fit. It's like, why in the hell can't we get them over like Volkov? You know why? Because nobody believes your cartoon bullshit. Exactly. You didn't make it, it's not believable anymore. Just like we're hearing, going through tables, doing all this other stuff. You should go out in an ambo then, Mac. Not get up after it's done, after the three count and walk to the dressing room. That's bullshit. Yeah, right. It's well, not Scott, believable. Scotty, well, Nick, Scotty, it's not 1979 either, though. No. You know what I mean? I mean, Scott, Scott mentioned Johnny Valentine. Johnny Valentine could have riots working an arm bar. Yeah, exactly. With his face. I saw John Valentine going to the ring, and he took one step up towards the ring, and the people went nuts. When yeah. He, did, he stepped back down and then did it again. He had the yeah. heat before the heat was there. So, I mean, you yeah. Know, you know, people have to learn how. To, they said it's a work. You got to learn how to work the match. You know. Yeah. You story. have. To, you sure do. Nikita, have, have enough respect for your partner you're working with to sell for him, and everybody wins. This bullshit yep. that I'm Superman, I get up after whatever you do. That's bullshit. Sell for me, and I'll sell for you, and everybody will come out on top, man. Nikki, what's you know what? the work for that? It's because they're counting their dollars. Okay, yep. wow, well, this did this, and the house jumped a, th- a grand or two grand. We're going to do something else even more. They're just counting money. That's all they're doing. And yep. you have guys doing the th- 
giving you what, vintages what's, that have never even though? been in the fucking ring. There you go. Yeah, but, but what? What's missing? What, Nikki? What's What's the word we're looking for? Psychology. Right. There you go. Psychology. There you go. They don't know how to sell. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. It's not just to sell, Ange. It's it's. Listen, I was a heel. So so in my mind, I was a heel. I was sneaky. I was vicious. Yeah. And I was a coward. Scott, if I worked with Scott, which I did, okay. Mm-hmm. I was sneaky. I had to be sneaky to get the jump on somebody like him. So yeah. I was sneaky. When I got the jump on him, I was vicious. But then when Scott Casey had enough of that nonsense mm-hmm. and started to make his comeback, he would not only out-wrestle me, that he, he would beat me all over, and I had to be a coward. Now, people hate a 250-pound, sneaky, vicious coward. Okay? Automatic yeah, heel. Dave, you want to be six foot seven, you know, and almost two hundred and ninety pounds is it's believable. That was yeah, the well. difference. You guys made it believable. Now nothing's believable, Dave. Well, we wrestled. That's we re- the and you know what? At at the risk of me talking too much, because you guys just tell me shut up when you're ready. No, but, no. you know what? My I I came like I told you, I came down from Canada uh, and, and went to Amarillo. And before that, I spent a lot of time in the New York Territory, which is different than any other territory that, that ever was. And my first match was with Scott in Colorado Springs. And, and I think the, the booker promoter there was a guy named Herman Gust. And Herman Gust yeah. said to me, uh, listen, uh, we want you guys to do... Uh, uh, two out of three, split the first two, and, and whatever happened the third fall. And I need about 45 minutes. And I said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I just came down from New York. There wasn't a 45-minute match going on in New York in 30 years. And, and I had never worked in Colorado. And to keep up with a guy as quick as Scott, I mean, he was a wrestler. I mean, I was too. But <laughs> about Five minutes into this match, I went, Scott, I can't breathe. What the hell's going on? He said, you're in Colorado. That's what's going on. He said, and it's I a little... Grab a yeah. hold and hang on to it. Yeah, but the, but the point is, we were, we were wrestling. You see, we were wrestling. We weren't jumping off top ropes, and, and we weren't working the crowd constantly. Exactly. We were going to do 45 minutes in the ring. In the ring. Let's see any of these guys right now do... How many... Scott... How many 30, 20 or 30 minute broadways you do in your life? Oh, about a million? I can't even count. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's real funny you say all that. I remember the first time I ever had a hour match, and I, I did it with uh, Leo Burke from Canada. You oh, my know. God. Oh, wow. Yeah, great worker, Leo. There's and a name from the I, past. I went to Dory Jr. I said, Dory, I've never done one of these before. How do I work this match? And he gave me the best advice in the world. He said, when you go over 30 or 40 minutes, he said, and you go to an hour, he said, make it like an hour. Make it six 10-minute matches. And yep. it worked out great. did it with 40 minutes. I did it for 30 minutes. You know, I mean, it just worked. You know, I mean, that's 
But uh, today, you're not going to get guys that can do that. They they would know hello from Sikkim as far as trying to do a, a an yeah. hour or thirty minute match. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm yeah, and I'm sure Scott had the experience. Listen, I got to work with Dory. Uh, who was who was certainly a legend, and uh, you know Dory and I, I think we we did forty five or an hour in Hereford, in that little building down in the Bull Barn, and uh, you know I said to Dory, of course I said to Dory, you know whatever you want to do, you know what, he did a headlock, a headlock, for almost mm-hmm. forty five minutes. The place was going crazy. He was so good because he was he was wrestling. We were in the ring wrestling. No nonsense, no standing on the top rope, no tables, no chairs, none of that stuff. If, if in the ring. Can... But you'll never see it again. I'm, nope. I, I, I hate to say that, but you will never, ever see it again. Nope, you're right. No, you're, you nailed that. If, if, we can, if we can expand on that, um, when I was talking earlier, I mentioned how you, know, you can't really get an impact anymore. Um, uh, Nikita, I want to bounce back to you. You look like you had something you wanted to add to that. I want to give you a chance to speak here. No, I'm, go ahead. I'm listening and I agree with the experts without a doubt because wrestling was always what people say was on the marquee. That's why when you could go to an arena and watch mm-hmm. Bruno San Martino, you believed in him. I mean, people would probably almost kill you if you bet or recruited against him because he was so loved because he was believed. Now, you know, talking about these kids today, too, that you watch, okay, you say you, you went to the Hall of Fame uh, presentation and you watched the indie show. It's like you see them do all the high spots, and I did that recently at Cauliflower Alley last year, and I said to somebody, you know, you're not going to last long in this business if you're going to do 10 high spots because obviously you're not working every night. If you work every night, you're going to do maybe one high spot, a couple of, you know, every third night or so. You're not going to do 10 and 20. Your body can't take this. What the hell are you? I said, look at these people out here. Tell me, name me 20 of these people sitting out here. I said, I don't know their names. I said, that's right. And in two weeks, they're not going to know your name. But all that shit you did in there tonight, you're going to be feeling it. You got to cut it out. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing, guys. The days of the 20, 30, 40-year career are over just because of what Nikki just said. These guys don't understand that they are taking years, years off of their career. They're taking more years off their career than their career is going to last. I got news for you. You know, well, look I'm at a sure. guy like uh, uh, what the uh, Dan, what's his name? That Omega guy, um, the Ken, one I can't Ken, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. Did, how this guy has survived this far and this long in the business is beyond me. I don't, I, I don't know what his secret is, other than maybe he's just not smart enough to realize that his career is going to come to a crashing halt. Well, okay. But, Go ahead, Dan, because he's Ken, killing Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, he, he, he cheats fate because he's not actually a wrestler. He's just a stuntman who goes out and plays wrestler. So Th- thank you. His, that, his moves yeah. look terrible, but they're not they, – they, they, he almost saves the impact on his body because there's no impact on his opponent either. 
Well, he needs to let Nikita do it for. He's an actor. He can. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think about uh, if, if, if I may speak on this. You're and, far and more I, talented than I, he is, Nikki. I hate I hate to, 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 to speak like this because it makes, you know, I, I try not to make anybody feel old. But I remember watching uh, you know, evil, evil Russian Bresnikov when I was a kid. And if, if, if the big Russian got his hands on you, you were toast. There is nobody today, anywhere, in any promotion on this planet that I look at and go, damn, I'm genuinely scared of that guy. Okay, now, exactly. now David, you'll know George the Animal Steel from the East Coast days. Yep. And all he had to do was look in your direction, and he would clear out a whole area, a whole oh, section. Yeah. Yeah, there were guys like that. The the original Sheik was like that also. Yes. I'll tell you what, and not for nothing, but, you know, we just had Barbara Goodish and her husband, Bruiser Brody, was the same way. Mm -hmm. He instilled fear just by people. All you had to do was know he was coming down the aisle on your side of the arena. That's because the people believed. And that's because we believed. We never made a joke of it. We never stepped out of character unless we were alone by ourselves. Right. All right. And like Scott said, that's not coming back. It's it's killed. We protected it so much, so much that that it yeah. was just. It's never going to be done again because the opportunity isn't there for them. There's no territories. There's no yeah. territories. You know. Well, you I think Nikki's right. I think the business, Davy, needs a giant enema. It needs a good flushing out. It needs a good cleansing. And uh, and then we need to hit the reset button. We really do. Well, but until you, until you get some promoters, happen. until you get promoters that set up territories, that's not going to happen. Well, let's t- we're going to talk about that right after the commercial break. And I'm going to let you and Nikki have at it. Uh, but right now, Dan's favorite part of the show is where he gets to do our shut up, Dan, you know. <laughs> I'm going to move out the way so we can take a, we can hear and take a look at our sponsor. Dan, take it away. Well, as uh, Angelo mentioned earlier, it's fitting that we have a bunch of uh, tough men on board because our sponsor is Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com is the leading per, leading supplier of man grooming needs, especially in today's summer weather. I know uh, anybody that's been out there when it hits 100 degrees. If your boys aren't taken care of, they are not going to be comfortable. So Manscaped.com, use promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for 20% off your order. Manscaped currently has uh, numerous supplies, including the Lawnmower 3.0, which is the number one ranked shaver. They have a ball deodorant, a refresher, a pair of underwear that's the most comfortable you'll ever wear. And I'm not saying that lightly or because they're our sponsor. I genuinely mean it. So manscaped.com wrestling code, uh, excuse me, promo code wrestling future for 20% off because manscaped.com your balls will thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> you see what that says right over there? Manscaped balls to the walls. There you go. Just just as uh, an added bonus, uh, Manscaped has a, uh, as Dan mentioned, as a ball deodorant, uh, there's an interactive feature to that. You can have your wife apply it. uh, We call it the testicular ticular. And uh, (laughs) you like that, Davey? That's good. (laughs) Oh, baby. 
<laughs> I can't see I can't see Scott and I doing these promos on a Saturday morning in Amarillo no. for some well, wait, reason. Wait, wait till you see the video. <laughs> You'll love it. <laughs> well, I'll, take, I'll, I'll tell you what. Anybody from the territory days that had to step in the ring with Dutch Mantel would have wished they had a manscape oh back God. then. Oh, my God. Yeah, please. Please. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so, that's for sure. Before we did the commercial break, uh, Dan, you and Nikki were, were speaking. Go ahead. Well, what I what I wanted to to hope hope you could expand on is is think about the product today. It's it's terrible. I'll admit that. Um, it, the 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 problem with kayfabe being gone, especially in the social media age. You mentioned uh, the failed attempt at, at a Russian villain a couple of years back. Uh, the problem with that was he was Bulgarian and his wife's American, and everybody knew that because they were both very active on social media. And there he is on TV waving the Russian flag. And then 10 minutes after Raw's off, Monday Night Raw's off the air, he's tweeting him and his wife at a restaurant. Dan, can I interject for a minute? Of course. Can I interject for a minute, Dan? Yes. Nikki, would you do me a favor? Would you please address the social media aspect of what Dan is exactly talking about right now? Well, yeah. He hit the nail on the please. head. First of all. You say I never watched them. I watched the night they brought. They tried to bring Nikolai in to give it an injection, and Nikolai said, "Just it's not going to work." The Russian flag. If you don't have the hammer and sickle Soviet flag, what the hell is that other bullshit? Nobody cares about this Russian flag. They want the Soviet flag. That's where your heat's going to come from. Yep. And so, okay, I agree 100%. You can't be yakking your face off on social media and then. How do you believe it? You Look, if you did that with the contract, we talked about acting a little bit ago. If you did that, if you had a movie coming up and you were out there blabbing your face, you know what? They'd probably find you, disqualify your contract and say, look, you violated the terms, non-disclosures, things like that. Shut the hell up, man. Exactly. Well, to live this character, live the friggin' character. And that's it. If you want people to jerk you off, you want to be get your get your head rubbed or whatever, then fine. Yeah, the wrong business. Then either if it works for somebody like Nikita Brezhnikov, because Nikita Brezhnikov is an actor, he does television and he does movies. If you're a professional wrestler and you're for, and I hate to, I even hate using this word, Nikki, when I talk about wrestling. But if your character in wrestling is the the Bulgarian brute, I believe is what they called Rusev, the Bulgarian brute. Yeah, after they had okay. to admit he was. And Russian. you and and your wife are using, you know, semi Slavic uh, dialect on on the air, but yet you come off and now you're speaking perfect English. All right. How am yep. I supposed to believe that you're 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 a fucking Bulgarian brute if you sound like you're from Minnesota? It's never going to work. Exactly. And exactly. It, and it didn't work from day one, Nikki. And it's not working. Davey, w w give me give Whoa. me some heads up. G get into the mind uh, uh, of the psyche of. Well, here's here's the heads up today's Here's the heads up for Scott and I. We didn't have characters. We Thank didn't have you. we didn't have storylines. All we were were wrestlers. Period. I was waiting for somebody to say that. Thank period. You. That's all. Thank we were we were wrestlers. Okay. I was a heel. 
Scott was a baby, but that but that's neither here nor there. We were if you asked us to describe ourselves, we were professional wrestlers. We were proud of it. We protected it. It was an honor for us. It was a treat for us to be able to say we were in a ring with a guy like Luthez or Dory Funk Sr. Jr., I'm sorry, or Terry, any of them, or Scott Casey. That that was plain and simple. We were wrestlers. Uh, our guys could walk into some place and somebody would say, oh, the wrestlers are here. The wrestlers are here. There was no character. Yeah. There was no character. There was no storyline. That, that was that, man, you know. Uh, Davey, and if you can want to I call share something with you? Yep. Can I share something with you, Davey and, sure. and Scott and Nikki and Dan? Here, here's what Go it's ahead. going to take. You know, Nikki said that the business the business needs a giant enema, and it does for sure. Here's what's going to happen, though. I think there is a way to go back to the days of kayfabe and believability. And here's what it's going to take. And call me crazy or out of my mind or fucking brilliant, which I probably am. Ask Dan, he'll tell you. Um, here's what it's going to take. And, it, and, and this, is, this is as simple as it gets. It's going to take for wrestling to be a 100% complete shoot for people to believe again. But here's the problem. You, if you got two guys that are shooting on each other, like back in the 30s and 40s when shooters mm. could stretch you and shooters could hurt you, you're going to have these cynical fans today. Somebody's going to say, oh, it's a work. Oh, did you see he pulled his punch? Oh, did you see he did blah, 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 blah. It, it just it seems to me like the business is completely fucked coming and going. I don't know what it's going to take other than, you know, to, to take that giant, you know, enema hose and shove it up somebody's ass, you know, to, to clean it out, you know. Um, well, listen, Eddie do, Graham, I Eddie do, Graham, had a, Eddie Graham had an answer for that when when somebody would would Eddie Graham love doing this stuff in Florida. He had a guy down there named Nelson Royal, uh, who, oh was, God, who was kind yeah. of a, yeah, you know. He didn't look like a tough guy, but oh brother, was he ever! He was a shooter. And he sure was, and he had Bob Roop down there. And oh, yeah. on a few on a few occasions, uh, fans would say, "Oh, I can do that shit. I, I can do that. That's no big deal." Yeah. And Eddie Graham would say, "Well, you know what? You, you could probably make some money doing this. Why don't you come uh, down to Tampa? Come down to the know, arena early in the afternoon." Uh, before we get started, maybe you could have a little workout with uh, with somebody. Well, we'll let you start with this. We'll let you start with this old timer, this referee named Nelson Royal, and uh, and Nelson Royal uh, would tie somebody in knots. Bob Roop would hurt them. You see, Bob yeah, Roop. Bob Roop would take a shoulder and out on you. If you want to see that, Davy, if you want to see that demonstrated. There is an absolutely priceless, precious video on YouTube. Oh, is that of, right? Of Nelson Royal. I'm not even shitting you. This is straight shoot. There's a video on YouTube of Nelson Royal and Bob Roop making a grown man cry and leaving the arena because he thought that he legit thought 
that he could beat Bob Roop. Oh, yeah, great idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to do that with an Evidently, Olympic Evidently, nobody told him about Bob beating the bear one time. Yeah, yeah I heard that right. story, Scott. Scott, why don't you tell that story? Please, I'd like to hear that. I don't know. I, I wasn't there for it, but I heard about it. He Tell us what you heard. Damn bear. Now, how the hell do you beat a bear? How do you pin a round shoulder bear? But he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The last, time I saw Bob, the last time I saw Roop was uh, was at the uh, gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I asked him about it. He said I was, he said I was scared to death. He said, I guess I did it out of fear, but uh, uh, there's no way I'd get in there with an animal. Something did he get the bear drunk? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I worked with the bear a couple of times. He beat the crap out of me every time I work with him. <laughs> Jesus, right. it's a freaking bear. You know, it's a Dan, bear. Who was it we just had on the show, Dan, that was talking about the the, the bear? Oh, that was uh, who was Ron, that? Oh, Ron Fuller. Yeah, yeah. Ron Fuller. Yeah, I don't know if you ever heard this one. What they used to do, you're going to love this, Davey. What they used to yes. do, Ron Fuller's father um, used to wrestle a bear. And his grandfather, Roy Welch, used to wrestle a bear. Mm-hmm. What they would do to get the bear agitated, they would slap honey on some guy's ass. That's and right. Do you know the story then, right? Sure do. Okay. They would slap honey on the guy's ass, and then after the bear beat the shit out of the guy, they would give the bear a Coke, and he would drink the, the Coke. Yeah, well, yeah, that was part of the gimmick for the bear. He would, uh, yeah, exactly. he would take a bottle of Coke and hold it and drink yeah, it up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah Tuffy, Tr- Tuffy Truesdale is the guy that had the bear. And uh, yeah. you know, really early in my career, uh, Vince McMahon booked me at a little carnival show uh, in New Jersey, actually. And when I got there, uh, you know, and, and don't forget, when you first got into business, you weren't 100% smart. Yeah. There were things you still didn't know. And the reason for that was, let's see if you have enough respect to be in our business. Thank let's you. see if you have enough respect to be in our business. Anyway, uh, Amen. they said... They said, look for Tuffy Truesdale, and I did, and he explained to me, he says, did you ever work with the bear kid? I said, what kind of bear? Like a real bear? <laughs> he says, yeah, it's real. Here it is now. And it was it was Victor, uh, the bear. And, oh, God, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought, you know, since, you know, I was an amateur, I know how to shoot. Yeah, okay, let me, let me shoot for this bear's leg. <laughs> oh, that's a really good idea, because the bear's leg's only about eight <laughs> inches long, its back leg. And when I did, he just laid over the top of me. I was in a crunch position, and uh, in about 10 seconds, I was yelling at Tuffy Truesdale, get this thing off me, I can't breathe. What do you, you know, he stunk. I mean, holy crap. <laughs> Nikki, do me a favor. <laughs> Nikita, t- tell the story while we're, we're talking about animal stories. Tell the story of Bruno wrestling the monkey. I don't know that one. You don't know that one. No. You mean I, I know this? You mean was I know a, one that you don't? Yeah. It was an orangutan. It was an orangutan. That's what it that's, was. There you go. Thank oh you, Dave. Yeah. Dave, tell that story. 
Well, you know, it was early in his. It was really early in his career, and you know, Bruno was kind of being blackballed, uh, you know, by Vince McMahon, and uh, some someone offered him some money. Hey, listen, you want to make a couple hundred, or you know, whatever the price was, I don't recall. But you know, Bruno told me the story himself. Uh, I said, "Well, wait a minute." I said, "You actually got in a cage with this thing?" He said, "Yep, I did." He was all scratched up, you know. He was, <laughs> but but he beat it up. But he he didn't let this thing uh, take over. I mean, Bruno. I mean, he was a mess when it was done. He said, "I had cuts and scratches all over me, all over me." But I lasted the about whatever the amount of time was uh, that uh, that they wanted him to be in there, and he did. Yeah. Yeah, it was you wild. You want to hear the payoff? You're going to love this shit. The payoff was 50 bucks. Is that what it was? I don't know. $50. I don't and that orangutan scratched the fuck out of him. Yeah, it really, <laughs> it, it really it messed was him jumping. up. It, it jumped all over the cage. It was swinging all, all over the bars and shit. Yep. Oh, my God. That was crazy. For 50 yeah. to, Well, it was during that time when, you know, like Davey said... Bruno got blackballed by uh, by Vince because he didn't he didn't want to play with Buddy Rogers, so he said, well, "Fuck you! I don't need the money that bad." So he worked uh, he worked a couple carnival shows and and wrestled this monkey, this orangutan, for fifty bucks a pop. Yeah, he was just getting ready to quit the business. Yeah, he was. Getting, he, he, he was, was just going to go back into construction, right, Davey? Yep, yep. He was just getting ready to quit, and Frank Tunney. Uh, called him to come up to Canada and, yeah. and that's what that's what renewed Bruno's career right there amen absolutely and that's why Bruno even after he made it back to WWWF he would go every Sunday show up there to Toronto very yeah, exactly. yeah Nikki he was very loyal yes mm-hmm. he was very loyal to, to Frank Tunney absolutely yep that's for sure that's Daniel, for sure go ahead my friend you got it you take over well then I I have uh one one question, actually, just more of a, a personal note, uh, Scott. When when you had a, a stint in the WWF in the late what I think it was 80, 88 to nine in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, one of the one of the bits you did was you you teamed with SD Jones and uh, uh, Conrad Conrad Ephraim's a uh, old. Uh, he was one of my favorites growing up. I actually had the pleasure of meeting him on on numerous occasions. So I'm just curious, as a fan, do you have any good stories related to him? To who was it? I'm sorry. Uh, Conrad Ephraim wrestled under the name S.D. Jones. You tagged with him a couple of uh, times. I don't know. I guess my mind's gone blank on me because I remember the man, but I don't remember wrestling him. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> really yeah. It's a, the match that Dan is talking about is actually on YouTube. It's uh Cowboy Scott Casey versus S.D. Jones. And I believe it actually, it was either at the Philadelphia Spectrum or Madison Square Garden. Huh. I believe it may have I worked both of them. Yeah, I think it might have been, I'm wanting to say uh, the Spectrum, because S.D. was a, uh, uh, a Philly guy. He was, a you know, he was from Philly. And he always worked um, the uh, the Spectrum shows, right, Nikki? Yeah, absolutely. He always went over, usually, too, in Philadelphia, yes. Yeah, yeah. that was his hometown. That's well, where Stone found him. He was a postal guy in Philadelphia, that's right. Yeah, 
And he would, like you said, he would usually go over, except for that one time when the referee was racist against him. Remember that? Dusty Feldbomber, yes. Dusty Feldbomber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two months Dan, did you ever hear that story? No, this is, I, I, I want to hear this. This is a fa- fascinating. This was a, right, a, a, a was this part Dick of the tell the story. But you got it. We have to backtrack to Baltimore first. Okay. And then Philadelphia. Go ahead, Nikki. Tell the story. Joe, he was wrestling a guy named Joe Mascara. Now, anybody here, Joe Mascara? Davey, you remember him, I'm sure. Oh, I think I do, yeah. Yes. And so it was like, okay, you know, SD's going to murder this guy. But Feldbomber, he kept giving him the one or two. And SD's getting up. It's like, come on, man. What's up with the cow here? What's up with the cow? And then, of course, it gets reversed, the mascara, and one, two, three, and it's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? So, you know, at the SD was good with the headbutt. He puts down mascara, boom, one, two, three, he's out the door. Even after the match was over, SD was still going, it's like, hey, come on, man, what are you doing to me here? And I believe, if I remember correctly, which I usually do, because Dick Graham used to do the color for the Spectrum for the yeah. uh, the uh Prism shows that was the cable network there. Yeah, Vince Jr. would do the color commentary. Even they mentioned that it's like, hey, come on, man, what, what's going on here? Why is this guy not like SD? This yeah. is pretty blatant here. Yeah, little sidebar about Dick Graham. He was my broadcasting teacher. You really? Know, wow. Yeah. Another wow. side note about the Spectrum Wrestling. Uh, I used to work for Cal Rudman in the music industry. Wow! Yeah, and I and I've I've mentioned this on the show many times. I've only done two things in my whole life: wrestling and music. Now and that and worked for my father's restaurant. Now Cal Rudman, he was a very benevolent guy. He and his wife they put a lot of money into different benevolent organizations. Oh yeah, yeah. Cal and Gloria Rudman, yeah, absolutely. And Dick Graham, he did a good job. He was smart, but he was naive because he, he could get fooled a lot of times by things. Well, I want to tell you something about Dick Graham that nobody knows. They never smartened him up. Really? They never smartened him up. It could he, had to, he had to learn trial by fire. Mm. He would well, lean people, the people that didn't get in the ring anything. didn't get smartened up. There were very few that got smartened up. A referee, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, he, you know, everybody. That that's part of what we were talking about before. Well, here's and, the thing too about the referees. You know, you got the referees now. Here's another thing about the territories that are different than today, and we can all talk about this. Back in the day, when athletic commissions and Nikki knows where I'm going with this, when athletic commissions ran wrestling shows and boxing, okay. You had state licensed officials that would officiate wrestling matches. Yeah, a lot of these guys were already smart to the business. Some of them weren't. Okay, but then you went and you declared yourself sports entertainment. Now you don't need the state. Now you can hire your own referees to play along with your shtick, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So now. The difference between you got a guy that's maybe halfway smartened up, but he's still playing by the rules because he works for the state, and a guy who works for the company who knows it's bullshit. 
Dan, take me there. You and Nikki start me up, and we'll go Scott, and we'll go Davey. Well, I, I think where you're going with that is the the evolution of the product, or I should say, yeah. de-evolution of the product. Well, is particularly it, with regard to the to the referee and right. the exposing the business aspect of it. Yeah, it, it, as as uh, Nikki mentions, uh, Nikita, you mentioned one of the spots. Um, you talked about how you, you know you, you would. You, it was obvious that spots are set up. The, the, when the referee is involved, when he's an employee in the company, when he's part of it, it becomes mm-hmm. more and more obvious that he's looking over his shoulder. He's waiting. Or how many times have you seen, you know, a, a, a manager jumps on the on the ring apron and the referee's got his back turned for 45 minutes. And it's like, I know you're hearing this noise. How are you not seeing what's happening behind you? And 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 the referees become and let's be honest the, the the professional wrestling referee is the dumbest most fragile human being to ever walk the earth. I've never you're seen making a my point for me exactly. I've never, <laughs> I've I'm never seen to laugh. somebody. The reason I'm starting to laugh and ahead, Hans, and Davey O'Hannon, you guys will remember Lou Super as the oh referee. Oh my God! Yes, guy, I don't even think he knew what the hell was going on. Smart, now, not smart, whatever. Nikki, yeah. then the loose super was all of five foot three, <laughs> 250 pounds, right? And my line, he was a little butterball. Loose super lived. was a little guy. He, he was old back then. I think it was 100. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one time they put him on Spectre. They did an interview after a match that he had just called. And it's like nobody knew what the hell he said. He didn't even know what he was saying. This guy was just gone. But see now, what you're saying. Let me let me take it back another step. When Superstar beat Bruno, it was done in Baltimore because by the State Athletic Commission rules, when the referee raised the hand, that's it. It cannot be changed even by going to court, any kind of thing like that. So it was like, okay, good. We'll get it done here. Bruno saves face. Superstar puts the feet on the ropes. Plus, the title changes in Baltimore, so it's not always Madison Square Garden. So the fans now can think they'll actually buy a ticket and see a title change. So it worked out beautiful. But that whole stipulation with the Maryland State Athletic Commission there, it was like, boom, this thing is final. It's done. So that did make sense. And fast forward uh, to last year, just to, you know, to to point out how seriously Baltimore takes their shit. The match that AEW did with um, uh, Dan, with um, uh, John Moxley and Chris Jericho and Kenny and uh, Kenny Omega. Oh yeah. Uh, That match was done in Baltimore for a reason Hmm? because when the Baltimore athletic commission says this matches to the finish, there's a winner. There is absolutely a winner. And just like Nikki said, not even a court is going to overturn it. Yep. Because it's final, it's final. So that was just a, a sidebar. Let's talk, Davey and Scott, um, let's chime in on that. Let's talk about how announcers and referees and, and other personalities, see, people don't understand that wrestling is more than just two guys in the ring. There's a, a supporting cast of people you've got. The play-by-play guy, the color guy, you've got the uh, the ring analyst, you've got the referee, you've got the commentator. All these people play a part. They all used to be individual people. 
from different entities. Now they all work for the same company. Talk to me. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> I, I got my answer well, already for you. See, I, Scott. I'm kind of circling there. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it takes everybody to make it work. It really does. I mean, you know, like I always told the referees after the match, thanks for, for your help, you know. I remember That's right. it was an Angelo Martinelli who was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the guy saved my bacon two or three different times when I was young and I still didn't know hello from Sikkim. And I appreciated that. And also, you've got the announcers. And, it, you know, he can't come up there and be half dead and try to put the match over or whatever. Oh, he exactly. Has expound, he has to expound on what's going on, you know. I mean, here's Davey O'Hannon, the man that's that beat nine guys in a row, blah, 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 and Scott Casey, you know. And it, it just if they don't put us over, then who is? Except us. Exactly. And hell, we exactly. can't do it. All we can get in there and work and, and try to make it work, you know. And, you know, nowadays you've got announcers, you've got two or three guys sitting at a table, and they're talking over what's going on. And you've got the referee, and you've got the matches. You know, it's just, it's so different. It is so different from what it used to be. And it, it, sometimes confusing, sometimes not. But, uh, it's a hell of a lot different than it Scott, I, I have a question for you while I got you here. I've asked Davey O'Hannon this question when he was here before. I've asked Nikita Brezhnikov this question when he was here before. And he's been, both of these guys have been here several times. They're good friends of mine in the show. My question for you, Mr. Casey, my dear friend, what's the difference between getting over and being over? A uh, couple of things. Uh, the booker or the guy who's making the matches up—that's part of it. Yep. And uh, your your ability to know when to sell, to know when to come back, and know when to what's that say? Know when to oh, hell? I can't even think of it now. But it, it, it's you know it's a combination of things. You know, you, mm-hmm. you if you're not put over by the announcer. If you're not put over by the people, then how the hell are you supposed to get over? Right? Stop right there, Scott. I'm going to stop you right there. I have asked this question, and Dan, tell me if I'm bullshitting. I have asked this question to every guest that's been on the show, every single guest. Scott Casey is the only person, the only person that just gave the answer between getting over and being over. Yep. Uh, you know, you right. can have the ability, you can have the look, and it's like somebody once said, Sputnik Monroe told me one time, he said, kid, you look good, you've got the ability, but can you talk? If you can't talk on that stick, you're dead in the fucking water. <laughs> I don't right. know who you are. If you, if you weren't Hulk Hogan or uh, whoever, you can't get over you, and, and to stay over, you got to be fresh and with good ideas every time you get on that stick. Are different ways of making the match work. Dan, how many times have I asked that question? At least fifty, and you've gotten a different answer every time. Every time. Well, let me uh, tell you, you something. Right. First of all, 
Davey, Scott he's and, not even shitting. That's, that's Scott, for real. Scott and I were not entertainers. That's number one. We weren't exactly. entertainers. We were, we were wrestlers. Okay. Uh, we used to have a, we used to have a, an expression. It takes three to tango. Okay. So you had to have a good referee because that's part of it. Like uh-huh. Scott said, if you don't have an announcer that gets the people into it a little bit and adds some excitement, mm-hmm. that's part of it. Okay. That's part of it. Now, that's a big part of it. Sure. A guy like, like a guy like Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham's my friend, so this is not a knock. Billy Graham was not a great worker in the ring, was not a great worker, but Billy Graham had a look that helped get him over, and Billy Graham, like Scott said, could he could be on that stick, and you could listen man. to him all night. He could he was, talk his ass off. He was great to listen to. Oh, man. Ter- Terry Funk, uh, Ric Flair. Randy Savage, all great on the microphone, man. Yeah. That that was that was a huge part of it. That was a huge and part of it. Alone. Yeah, and 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 you say you know the you say first well, time. is is everybody smart? Well, listen, for us, we didn't worry about if a timekeeper uh, or somebody outside the ring was smart because when Scott Casey bulldogged you or I put a neck breaker on. The referee was in there to, to call it straight. So we knew exactly. what we were going to do. We were, shame on me if, if it was a false finish and I didn't kick out. That referee's mm-hmm. got to count. Why? Because we're not making a joke out of what we did. Exactly. There's thousands, there's thousands of people know how to count the three, and they know whether that count should have been three or did the referee stop after two. No good. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Doesn't happen. And that was part of our, no. that, that was, that was ingrained in us. Okay. And shame on you. If you didn't protect your product and the guy you were working with, protect his product mm-hmm. and, and make it as believable as you could. Scott's absolutely right. There, that you needed everybody to get over, but our little area of business was right inside that ring, and that's what we had that's to worry right. about. Nikki. Yes, sir. All right. Let's talk about that. You know, all all these uh, moving parts that make a, a, a match what it is, you know, whether uh, these moving parts get a match over or whether they they fail, they fail to, uh, to mesh up in that, that cog in the wheel. Um... There are matches that are classic and we remember them like they were yesterday. And there are matches that are completely forgettable. (laughs) Most of the matches today are completely forgettable. Why do we remember matches from 20, 30 years ago, Nikki? Because it was important to us. And as we were explaining throughout this show, when you made it real, when you made it believable, People still talk about things 50 years ago. And they'll remember the day because such and such. Bruno was beaten by Koloff. And it was like, oh, my God, we hated that day. But then Bruno (laughs) got the belt back when he beat Stazak. We loved that day. I can't sit down and tell you anything about Hulk Hogan except the night he beat the Sheik, which to me was the day the music died. It's not to knock anybody, but it it was the changing of the guard. Yeah. When you go before that, 
people can sit down and not just nuts like me and rattle off tag team championship changes. That was huge. Just the tag title. That meant a lot. And getting back to the referees, Dick Worley, Dick Kroll, when they were matches, man, I mean, Dick Worley was as much a part of the match as the the, the two men. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, um, you know, Dan likes to do every week what he calls his Mount Rushmore of wrestling. You can't have a Mount Rushmore of wrestling without Dick Worley. That that man epitomized the essence. He was the quintessential perfect wrestling referee. He was the perfect ref. He revealed to me one time, he said, you know, I used to carry a gun. He said, because I got so much heat because I missed the tag. Because the face got beat, they blame me and wanted to take it out on me. He said, yeah. "I carry a gun." Yeah, he he was the best. He was the best I ever ran across. I mean, yeah. he I'm I'm partial because he and I were so close. Uh, he yeah. was like a father figure to me. But I used uh, to run into to Dick all the time, actually, at the shopping mall. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, Dick Worley lived uh, literally. Uh, Less than 10 minutes away in Deptford, New Jersey. Yeah, he hung out at the Deptford Mall because he wanted to get recognized. Yeah, we, we got <laughs> <laughs> No, he, he used to, believe it or not, and was there a was a place there that used to make, there's, honest to God, there was a place there that used to make his shoes for him, his ring shoes. Yep. Um, it was called The Athlete's Foot. That was the name of the store. They made custom <laughs> footwear for professional athletes. It was I used to, I, when I saw Dick's shoes, I used to say to him, well, yeah, did, did they make them in men's sizes so I could have one? But <laughs> Very good. Exactly. Yeah. And what was his yeah. license plate? Dick his was license? a small guy. He was a little guy. What yep. was his license plate? Anybody know? TV ref. TV ref. There you go. That was it. Because yeah. Dick I, had I, another I, job. Uh, besides that, besides the wrestling ref job, but yeah, and, and he was a boxer, and you know, yes. Nikolai went into boxing for a while. Yep. back in and, and very good at it too. He was very. He was good a, uh, he, uh, Dick Worley was. The, oh, of course, go ahead. But see, Dick Worley said Nikolai just Nikolai didn't have the killer instinct. He said he's too nice a guy. He said he's great for wrestling. But boxing, he just he wasn't going to do it. So that's right. I tried my ass yeah. off, but he he said, but he just he wasn't going to make it with the boxing. The reason I think, you know, you you talk about the size of the referees and stuff. The reason most of them were small because back, you know, thirty forty years ago, a lot of the wrestlers weren't that big. Right. Now, there were some yeah. that were, but it, it everything psychological. Okay, you're in the ring and. Wow, look at the referee. Look at the size of these two guys. I will vouch for that. Scott, I will vouch for that from personal experience. My first job in wrestling. I mean, after, you know, I learned how to set the ring up and everything. My very first paid job in wrestling was I was a referee. I trained at Larry Sharp's Monster Factory. Larry was a very, very dear friend of mine uh, and and became a... Became my mentor. Um, but I'm five foot three, if anybody cares. Um, and uh, and at the time, I weighed maybe a buck 25. Um, and I made guys 
that were five eight five nine looked like giants because I was just so small. <laughs> right. Absolutely right. right. And yeah. that's why I, I that's why I was good as a ref, and I loved being a ref. And then I got screwed and bought a damn promotion. Yeah, there's there's so many old timers that taught me little bits and pieces like that, you know. That and they hang with you. You remember what they're saying, you know. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that oh, well, the referee's smaller and the guys are big. You know, they did put them over. You know, and uh, it worked. You know, I remember there used to be a a referee. Ricky Morton's father, Paul Morton, was a referee. Oh, God, yeah. we, we called him Baldy all the time. And <laughs> I used to mess with him in the ring. We, You know, after I knew what the hell I was doing, I'd get in there and he, he'd go to uh, count on me and I'd slap him on top of his head. He'd, God damn it, I'll get out of the ring, I'll kill your ass. I'll get you. He was from the south. <laughs> but, I mean, and I said, Ricky, are you sure that's your dad? Yeah, that's right. Tell you what, no, Ricky's father was a hell of a referee, brother. He was a hell of a ref. Yes, he was. And I respected the hell out of him. And I used to tell him, I'm sorry I fucked with you. He said, that's okay. He said, I enjoyed it too, you know. But I mean, just like Angelo Martinelli, I mentioned him a couple of times. He was from Charlotte. And, uh, If you would, if you were gonna do something wrong, he said, "Kid, get up. Okay, start your comeback. You know, blah blah blah." And uh, it, it, like the heels would say the same thing back then. He was a big morale, an old time wrestler. And I remember I messed up a high spot. You'd have thought I killed the president. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm gonna give you a fucking finish. Now Frank was like six one and about two sixty. You know. And he says, if you fuck it up, I'm going to break your arm. <laughs> Honest to God, it was like a drop-down hip toss, arm drag, drop down again, go over the top rope, come back in the ring, you know, hit me, <laughs> boom, I'll hit you back. Now, how the fuck are you supposed to remember all that? But I did. <laughs> I didn't want to get my arm broken. And it scared That's me. right. <laughs> would do that. They would do that. They would say, you know, look, listen to what I've got to say. Pay attention. If you fuck it you up. You had great motivation. Oh, fuck. But, I mean, and it was, it was, what a learning it was, you know. Yeah. I I missed the guys and and things they did. Well. But it helped you because they knew you were young and you were green and they knew you had potential. Yeah. They wanted to match. It was a good match. As long as you had a good attitude. Yeah. As long as you had a good attitude. Mm -hmm. And, And, Scott, how many times did you say to a new kid, okay, just slow down. And listen to me. Exactly. Just listen to me. There you go. You know, Everything will be fine. All of this mess that we're talking about now, and I learned it from Frank. He said, when you have a match and you put this guy over, or this guy puts you over, you tell him, whisper in his ear, thank you. Thank you. And the reason, yep. and I learned that, and I said that to everybody that I wrestled. Me too. And even in New yeah. York when I very fairly very seldom got the win, but I mean, when I did, I did that, but uh, it exactly. was just, it was, it was respect. It was respect of the man that was in there doing it because you, you can't get in there and wrestle yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, Dan, yes, why sir? not uh, I give you the final round of questions and uh, we can, uh, we can, 
go around and we'll we'll say goodnight to everybody. I will get these gentlemen to bed at a decent time tonight. <laughs> well, the the last question I have, we touched on it a bunch tonight was the respect for the business and keeping kayfabe and all that. I'm curious as as a fan uh, of that era, how, how did it go about uh, the story you were telling uh, with getting pulled over and Terry Funk in the backseat and all that? Um, how did it go about trans, uh, going from territory to territory as heel face? Obviously, you would not go to the same diner or the same restaurant or whatever, but in another territory where no one's ever seen you before, you two could be holding hands walking down the street and nobody would know. So yeah, but we still we still wouldn't we still wouldn't interact with each other. So so not in you public. Kept, you kept kayfabe even in an area where you you know like like if you were to go from one territory to another, you still took separate cars, you still took separate floors in the hotel. Well, if, like if Scott and I went from Amarillo and, and went and worked for Watts uh, in Oklahoma, you know, we, we might, might ride together if we knew, if we knew the layout of the territory would allow us to not be seen, you know, plenty of times right. you stop the car, you stop the car blocks away and, and one guy walks in. All right. So nobody saw us. And you know, you didn't walk around together if you were a heel and a baby, because you don't know when you're going to work with each other. And and people have memories, and if somebody sees Scott and I having dinner together someplace in a, in, a, in a new territory, and then they watch us working on TV with one another, that kills it. No good. So we did not allow that stuff to happen. You know, or you could do what the Freebirds used to do and park your car at the police station and have the cops drop you off the arena. Well, that have to, you had to do that a couple. I had to do that in New York yeah, a couple of fans, times. Fans were slashing the tires of the Freebirds car. That's why. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, we we protected it all the time when when we were True. away from the, when we were out of sight of the public. We could get together. We could get together if it was at somebody's house or, you know. Uh, but we were even careful in the hotels. We were even careful in the hotels. Yeah. You know, you just had a, you, it was just in, like Scott said, that was, that was ingrained in us. And if you're not going to protect that, you know what? You're not going to make it here. Absolutely. Hit the road, kid. You're right. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Now, Nikita, you came in at the, at the tail end of it, right? And so uh, by the time you were in, Kayfabe was kind of almost on its way out, and uh, the territories were were dwindling rapidly. Um, yes. But yet, in that interim time period, you learned an awful lot about you know old school wrestling, largely because of the people who taught you. Absolutely. What's yep. the single? And here's something I've never asked, and you and you and I have talked a lot. And you've been on the show a few times, but I've never asked you this. What's the one piece, if of all the pieces of advice that you've been given or heard, what's the one piece of advice that even today has stayed with you? To listen. Watch the matches. Listen. The guys that are there before you, they're there for a reason. Listen to them. If you walk in and act like an ass and try to pretend you're going to end up on your ass, and 
people are going to just put a foot in your ass. Listen, open, shut the mouth, open the ears, and listen. People aren't trying to hurt Absolutely. you. They're trying to help you. Here, here. Yeah. yeah How about the- you, Scott? What was the best piece of advice you got? From Luthez, watch the matches. Respect the people you're working with. And uh, do the best of your ability. That was... That's what he told me, and I, I never forgot it. You know, you, yeah. if you do, if you respect what you did, it's like I said, you worked too goddamn hard to get in the business. Exactly. And, to, and not show respect for it. You know, I mean. You know what, Scott? And, huh? and you just put your finger on something, Scott Casey. I'm gonna tell you what, brother. You're like, you know. I'm going to call you the elder statesman over here. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Three days <laughs> Because you just, you just put your finger on something that people just don't get now. They don't understand how hard you work to get in the business. I think the problem is these kids don't have to work hard to get in business. Exactly. Exactly. They don't, they don't have to pay their dues, Nikki. No, they pay their money to go to some bullshit school and then somebody gives them a match. Exactly. 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 You didn't get in the door. You didn't get in the door like that years ago. Just by saying, here, I'm going to lay my money down. Now you're going to put me on your shows because I'm selling 25 tickets. What the hell it is. It's bullshit. Yeah, I'm going to give you a pocket full of money so you're going to put me on TV. You know? I got Crazy. a good story for you. Go ahead. About getting, getting in the business. My first match was on TV with Dick Murdoch. Now wow. we're in the back at Dory Funk's. Oh, my God. Alive. God rest his soul. And he said, and Terry was in there, and Junior was in there. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Now, Dick, I want you to hard way. Now, anybody that doesn't know what a hard way is, that's a shoot punch. Not oh, we know what a hard way is. <laughs> I want you to hit him right in the fucking eye, okay? Oh. You know, I'd have done anything. I said, okay. So we get in the match, and Murdoch said, all right, here it comes. And bam, he knocked the shit out of me. Nothing. Did not bruise, <laughs> did not blossom up, nothing. Hit me again, boom. Finally finished the match. We get back, and as I'm talking to you, this fucking happened. I swear to God. Get back in there, and my heart, my eyes sore, you know, and kind of red a little bit. And Dory Funk Sr. said, Murdoch, you motherfucker. Why can't you do what I asked you to do? Oh, Jesus. He had this big ring on his finger, and I said, wait a minute. If you're going to hit me again, take that fucking ring off. (laughs) (laughs) You got a picture of this. I'm standing there. Seniors in front of me, Murdoch's next to him, and Terry's next to him. And Terry and Murdoch are kind of laughing. And Senior hauls back, and he hit me so fucking hard. I mean, it blossomed up. It was bleeding where he, he caught me, and it oh, closed my eyes. Knocked me on my ass. And Lord Al Hayes was there. And when I got to New York, oh my said, God. I tell you a story. What, I said, what happened? He said, when, remember when Senior hit you? I said, yeah. I Senior was this. This was the way he thought. When he hit me, he caromed off me, hit Murdoch, and hit Terry. <laughs> and 
we were laughing, and Junior and I, we said, I said, Junior and I laughed our ass off. But that's the way it was. You either did it their way or go put your clothes on and get out of the building. Yeah, get your yeah, baggie. Exactly. And maybe you didn't even get a chance to get dressed. Maybe, Can you imagine maybe, having to stand there and have some big motherfucker hit you in the eye <laughs> because that was what they wanted? You want to be a wrestler, kid. There you go. There you go, exactly. I'd have eat shit and bark at the moon to be a wrestler. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love it. That's exactly right. Davey, so let's, uh, let's finish out with you, brother. What was the best piece of advice you ever got? Well, I think it, it's basically the same. You actually didn't have to get specific advice because you were the old-timers you just followed by example. You saw how they respected the business. You saw how they performed every night. They also respected the people that bought the tickets. Okay, so you did that. And like Luthez said, work hard every night. There's no nights off. Leave it all in the ring. Leave it all in the ring. And never make a joke out of what we do for a living. Amen. Amen. I think that is very sound advice. We got some... Amazing advice for some young guys listening. David Yohannan says, take it serious. Nikita Brezhnikov says, listen. And Scott Casey says, remember to watch the matches. That's all. Oh, that's big. Watch the matches. Dan, we are going to uh, wrap up another episode. Always so um, why don't you uh, go around and see... Uh, to what all of our guests have to plug and then uh, we can say goodnight to everybody. Okay. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Uh, you were obviously uh, your book. Want to pitch that? Uh, what, I'm sorry. I, this reception, what did you say about the book? I was... Uh, we're, Want we're you to plug up. your book. <laughs> yeah, plug your book on our way out the door. One Last Ride. Tale of Cowboy Scott Casey. And it's doing good. It could do better, obviously. But uh, if anybody wants one, you can get a hold of uh, Angelo, and he's got the number for you. And they can yep. call me, and I'll autograph them, lick them, turn them sideways. It doesn't matter. But, uh, and, and I will, I will tell people, and Scott, I will tell people if they're interested in buying your book, they can purchase your book right through our website. There's a link right on the Wrestling with the Future website, and they can go right to our website and, and purchase the uh, the Scott Casey's uh, a book. It's called uh, um, Scott Casey uh, One Last Ride. And and there's and there's your there's your exclusive. You heard him, Angelo. Use use the the code name Angelo, and Scott Casey will personally lick any book that you send him. They absolutely. Make it kiss it. It doesn't matter. Kind of like making love. You know? <laughs> Whatever. Hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. And uh, maybe we'll see each other down the road. Actually, Scott, you're going to see me in about two weeks. Okay. Okay. Uh, where, where's Glenn and where? Uh, you and Nick are coming on the show. Oh, okay. All right. We had this conversation before we went on the air, and he fucking forgot already. 
He took too many turnbuckles. That's a problem. Uh, no, he let Dory Funk yeah. Jr. hit him too much. <laughs> Nikki, you got a book to promote, my friend. Yes, when it was, and it was real. real. About the WWF in the 70s. And everything we talked about tonight, that's what it covers. Me as a fan, this is what yeah. this book is about. How it affected our lives. It was important. Yep. And this will tell you why it was important. And I will personally vouch for this book. It is a great, great read. It's got awesome pictures in it. It's got great. It's a great, great story. Our friend Scott Teal was the uh, the co-author on the book. Scott is a great guy. He's going to be with us. Uh, he, I mean, how many books has he written? You know, four or five hundred. Oh, over oh, at least, yes. And, at least that many. And it's on his uh, crowbarpress.com, C-R-O-W-B-I-R, crowbarpress.com, and the yes. Kindle version's on Amazon. And thank you for, for promoting Crowbar. It's a great, great website. Oh, there's a ton of ton of great material there. Um, Davey O'Hannon, my dear friend. Okay, I, I don't have anything have to, to plug. Promote? But I'm going to tell you, well, I'm going to tell you what. I don't have anything to plug. I'm buying Scott's book tomorrow uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first is the respect I have for him. Uh, and uh, he's the real deal for the professional wrestling business. So I'm buying Scott's book tomorrow. Uh, also, Scott, if you get up into New Jersey, uh, Angelo's got my contact information. Uh, you're always welcome at my house. Uh, Nick, Hi, I already read the book. Uh, when it was real, unbelievable. It's, it's an emotional read uh, for anybody that was a fan, which I was before I got into business. I want to thank you uh, for the way you treated me in the book, uh, the mention that you gave me. Uh, I'm flattered. I'm humbled. Uh, probably don't deserve it, but I appreciate it. Yes, you do. So, and I th I, that means the world to me, Davey. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my thank you. Thank, but, but, thank uh, you so book. much for all your compliments to me, too, Davey. I really appreciate it. You know, well, the older we get, the more we learn to appreciate things. Well, I, I mean it, Scotty. Uh, it was a it was a treat to work with you. It was a thrill to work with you. Uh, and you blew me up in Colorado Springs on my first night, just so <laughs> you know. <laughs> Holy crap! But anyway, anyway, uh, thank you, Angelo. Uh, uh, Always welcome, my friend. Always. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the being with you guys on the show is is a special treat and. Uh, you know, I want to make myself available uh, whatever you need me. If you think it'll be a help to have me there, you just uh, say the word. Well, you know, I, I call upon you frequently. You are, and I've said this to you privately, and I'll say it publicly, you are my go-to guy. And uh, and that will tell people Davey O'Hannon has never told me no. I love this guy. Hey. He's a friend. He's, a, he's literally a, a friend and neighbor. He's only about 30 minutes away. So I can go to his house and um, crash on his sofa and then hit the casinos with he and his wife. <laughs> well, I was on the I was on the beach I was on the beach all day today, so you wouldn't. Oh, have found okay. Me. <laughs> hey, it's nice I, to I live five say... minutes from the beach. He, he literally lives five minutes from the beach. Yep. Um, right. Nick, you're welcome go here again. anytime. You got a, you have a home here. Thank you. Hey. Yes. And Thank and you, of course, uh, Thank you, Ed. Yes. And of course, Dan, you're welcome back too next week. Oh, thank God. Okay. 
Gee, Dan, Dan, don't you feel better now? Yeah. <laughs> hey, he got the gig. He's going to stay for a while. Davey, Great. please say hi to Dominic. I know you talk to him. Please. I'll Give be talking to Dominic tomorrow morning. Beautiful. Yeah, I'll and we may him. have an, a big announcement coming up uh, uh, about that. So, uh, but we're going to we're going to keep hush on on a few things till we get squared away. Very good. Well, thank you again, uh, Scott. A thrill for me. Uh, speaking to you and and reconnecting and hopefully uh, we'll get to see each other in person soon uh dan and angelo thank you uh for having me here and and nick nick you know how i feel about you and uh it's a treat to be with you guys so right now i'm going to go to the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, me too i'm holding (laughs) yes yes all right guys thank you gentlemen Thank you, Davey. Okay, guys, take take care. care. Be careful out there. We will. Bye-bye. Davey O'Hannon, I'll tell you what. He's a a great guy. He's a great guy. Absolutely. What a hell of a show. Well, I'll tell you what, brother. That was a hell of a show. I know. I know we we say that a lot, but this was a hell of a show. I mean. Great. Great, great show. we, two hours, and we got through 5% of the stories those guys have to tell. Oh, my we, God. We, and here's the thing, and I love about doing this kind of show. And, you know, in case you haven't guessed by now, Dan, um, anything and everything can happen here because we yep. go live. Um, even though we go live to tape, you know, we're live, you and I. Yeah, of course. And we never know who's going to pop in. Um, I knew Davey O'Hannon was going to surprise Scott Casey. Mm-hmm. It was a surprise to me, however, when Nikki Breznikov popped in. It's awesome. And I loved it. I said, yeah, I'm going to chime you in right now, brother. Well, but I mean, I did was he, 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 uh, he called me on the phone. Right. I, you can't see my my phone because oh here he is now you can see yeah there you go gotta hold it up against my shirt to see it that's funny um but he he said do you want me tonight i went the hell yeah yeah that's doesn't want nikita brezhnikov are you kidding me i I think it's great i think it's great too because you got three guys who by their own admission hadn't spoken in years in some case 20 years to each other and two minutes talking about the old days and you would have sworn those three guys hang out every time. I know. And, and that's amazing. You know, you don't see that kind of camaraderie though. No with I, guys. I, now th- that's a really good point. You look at the wrestlers today and I, I uh, Jim Cornette was telling a story, one of his last shows. And we've had a couple of guys mention that um, on, on that have come on this show where they'll go into the locker room and every guy in the back's on their phone, on their iPad, you know, on their tablet, whatever. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's sharing Polaroids of the, of the of the arena rats. Nobody's talking, telling stories, bullshitting, playing dice, nothing. They're everybody's yeah. on their phone. You a, a week out, a day after the show is over, you forgot who you worked with. Dan, before all this Corona crap hit, when I was going to local shows, you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we have an association with a, uh, a promotion here. Okay. I walk in the locker room and this is what you see. The, the heads are down. Yeah. The, the fingers, are, this is what you see. 
It's like, are you kidding me? Really? Yeah. Like, you know, Hulk Hogan could walk into that locker room. Nobody would ever know it. Nobody would care, yeah. You know? Ric Flair could walk into that locker room. No one would know it. Yep. Because no, not a, a single head comes up. They're all yep. down like this. Like, really? That's crazy. All right, brother. Well, listen. Um, give everybody our plugs. Tell them uh, where we can find us. And, uh, and then I'll give some announcements for next week. Sounds good. I mean, obviously, uh, we're on YouTube and Facebook. And we have our private Facebook, the Wrestling With The Future podcast. We're yeah. on Instagram. Uh, wrestling with the future we're on twitter at wrestling future no g wrestling future and you and i both have our own twitters Uh, i'm at uh the man underscore wwtf and yours is uh psychic angelo yep sure is and uh like i said for anybody watching out in youtube land don't forget to like share subscribe buy the t-shirt yes we have a special three large shirts for 20 bucks there you go also um, we are, again, we're brand new on Instagram, but we are at Wrestling With The Future on Instagram. Yes, sir. And, uh, of course, as Dan said, on Facebook, we have a public page and a private group. We're, we were going to consolidate them, but I think we're going to keep them both separate, Dan. Okay. So we're going to keep that private group private and the public page for other people. Because Sounds you good. get you get uh, additional content on the private group that you mm-hmm. don't get in the public page. Yeah, it's a public it's a public forum and then an active fan page. Yeah, but we get the juicy stuff in the private group. That right. We don't share that with the public. <laughs> but now, so Thursday night we have Baby Doll joining us. Yes, sir. We'll be here. Uh, Baby Doll will be joining us, talking about uh, anything that comes to her mind. Next week, a big week. Next week. Mike Williams is back next week. The Sage of Quay guy uh, is going to talk about Paul is Dead, the uh, Paul McCartney conspiracy. And the most controversial man in pro wrestling will join him. Vince Russo will be here finally on Wrestling with the Future. And I don't want to show him how you do a podcast. Uh, You go for it. Of course, you got to book Vince Russo on my one day off, but you know. Who, who's uh, well, look, chooser, I, right? I gave you the I gave you the heads up. I said, look, you know, ditch the birthday, ditch the wife for the man, night. You know? Man, yeah, I, <laughs> I I I asked. You know how it goes. I went to management, and my request was denied. So I know, I know. Well, you look, you, you put in the requisition for it. Your requisition was denied. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so for Dan the man, I'm Psychic Me D'Angelo. Join us, as always, every Tuesday and Thursday. We are Wrestling With The Future. Take care, and happy wrestling, everybody.